My guest today is Stuart Elliott. Stuart is recognised for helping people break free from the mental prison of negative self-talk that keeps them drained of passion and dissatisfied with life. Through mindful hypnotic life coaching, he helps them snap out of their trances of unworthiness and self-sabotage, so they go on to create a deeply fulfilling, happy life. Stuart was born in the UK, but moved to Africa at age 28, where he stayed for 18 years, then moved to the south of China, where he currently resides. Welcome, Stuart. How are you today? I'm great, and it's great to be here. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to inspire people today because that's what my life's about at the moment. Oh, well, I love that. I'm all about expressing our truth and finding that purpose within us that helps us to inspire Mm -hmm. others. So tell us a little bit about how you discovered what that core message is for you that makes you so passionate to share. It's it's a long journey. You know, it's basically a life journey, but I'll give you a very, very brief version. When I was 17 or something like that, I'd just been to Morocco in the, uh, you know, uh, on holiday from the UK. And when I came back, it was, you know, it was the early uh, beginning of May. And most people in the UK don't have a suntan at that time of year. But I had a nice suntan. And I went into a pub one evening and there's an old guy who sat there at the bar. And he looked at me and he, he had these big, sad, doleful eyes. And he had this wistful way about him. And he said, you're looking very brown. Where have you been? I said, no, I've just been to Morocco for a couple of weeks. And the way he looked at me and the regret I could see in his face as he was considering this, he said, I wish I could have done that when I was your age. And that's, that told me that there's no way that I'm ever going to go and look back with regret on all anything that's happened in my life. And it inspired me to keep moving forward. I mean, things happen. That's what life's about. But we can always learn and grow from it. So I moved to Africa when I was 28. I stayed there for about 18 years and then life fell apart, you know, how it does sometimes. And I was offered an opportunity to come teach English in China. So I had one question, is it, is it north or south? Because the north is too cold for me. I like the, the warmth of the south, you know, it's more tropical. And they said, no, it's not far from Vietnam. So I said, okay, no problem. And I went over there, they gave me a ticket and, and you know, I just came over here on my own. And through my whole journey, I've been here since 2003, I discovered that I was very popular in teaching. I had very good results, but I didn't know why. So this led me on a path of studying NLP and uh, conversational hypnosis, etc., etc. And I found out what I was doing. And then as my classes progressed and I got to uh, a school where there was more uh, adult students and there were one-on-one classes, I found that the classes became life coaching sessions with students who had a high enough level of English to have a conversation. And when I made, helped them make changes and they saw that smile come from inside the heart, that was something that just said, this is what you need to be doing because there's no better reward than you know, helping somebody fix their life or, or find a way to solve a challenge or a problem that they've got. And that, that's really what spurred me on to it. And uh, I decided I've got to do this and uh, yeah. help as many people as possible. I love that it began with an understanding that you may regret it if you didn't take on the adventures that life offered you. Yeah. I mean, there's far too many people. travel was one of those big adventures. Yeah. I think there's far too many people who look back on life and say, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. 
but we can't because that's 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 what's got us where we are today and 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 that's 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 how life is and we need to look back with gratitude for everything that's happened because it's made us the person we are when we made that decision we're not the same person or we weren't the same person as we are now so there's no regret involved as far as i'm concerned and it's never too late if there's anyone listening who feels like, oh, I'm never going to get to Morocco in my teens, but no. you may still get there. The only, the only time it's too late is when you choose to give up. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the lady's name, but there was a lady who decided she was going to be an artist at sort of 70 or 80, and she became a famous artist. And I can't for the life of me remember her name now, but, you know, it's never too late. Never. Yeah, I love that idea of never giving up. That's my motto that I force into my head. Never, 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 ever, 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 ever give up. Yep. And, you know, but we do have to change course. And it sounds like when you went to Africa, something happened that made you change course. What was going through your mind at that point? Because I know that some of our listeners are probably going through parts of, of their life where they feel like, oh, I don't really know what to do next, or I can't believe things have gone so like uh, wrong, or I've been there myself where things have seemed to have been, wow, um, this isn't my choice. This did not work out the way I wanted it to. You've been through that, Stuart. Tell us what happened and how did you get through that? It's part of a longer process because what happened was my relationship broke up and it was you know I was married and we got divorced and that and it took me a while to come to terms with that you know uh, I can remember one time I was actually I was doing landscaping at the time and, and my wife and I had the business together and um, when we split up we sort, of, we sort of split the business up but I wasn't really connected anymore to the business but I still had to keep it going I can remember one time I was just sat in a client's garden and I was just on the grass and I was just feeling so miserable and sorry for myself that I almost burst out crying. I wasn't interested in anything around. And, you know, it, it, that wasn't an easy period for me to get through. But as, as life is, you know, it, it, there is a period of grieving for whatever um, incidents happen. And I started getting through it, but I wasn't connected to the landscaping in the way I was before. And um, then... We had two dogs, which I'd, I'd kept the dogs, and they both, you know, were getting elderly, and they both died over the period of a year. So, at that time, I was offered an opportunity, and I think this is what life does: it offers you opportunities. If you're open to them, then you can move forward. But quite often, we don't see them because we're not ready for them, or we're just, you know, too too scared or or something like that to take them on. And you know, I spoke to someone, and they said, "Look, there's an opportunity to come to China to teach English as a second language." And I thought, why not? I'll go for a year and see what happens because, you know, everything's fell apart here. My dogs have gone. I've got nothing holding me back at this moment. I can always come back. And as I say, I, that was in 2003. I'm still here. So, you know, I think that life offers us these opportunities, but we, we just have to be open enough to recognize them. And then sometimes it takes courage, a little courage to move forward and, and uh, make those changes. Mm, sometimes it takes a lot of courage. Um, but if you don't yeah. <laughs> want to stay where you are, that sometimes can be enough. You can say, well, this definitely isn't it. So I'm willing to try something different. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, um, 
they have to be pushed out of what they call the comfort zone. And, you know, the comfort zone is not necessarily a place where you're happy, but you can be comfortable because you understand all the things which are going on inside that zone. So you know how to react and cope. But it's maybe not making you happy. It may be giving you a miserable life. But unless something big comes along and pushes you, a lot of people don't break out because what's outside is too big and too scary. And we don't understand that. And, and that's why I think a lot of people would do well to talk to somebody who they can trust to help them. And th there's a big thing here about somebody you can trust to help them because sometimes the people we think are the people who would help us, i.e. close friends and family, are actually the people who can hold us back because if we change, it means they have to change and then they're threatened so unconsciously they, they say things to hold us back. And, and, you know, that's a big challenge in life. Like what? Well, I had a, a flight from a place in uh, China to Hong Kong. I was going there to, I don't know, I was doing something or re renewing a visa, I'm not sure. But the lady I was sat next to, she was a Hong Kong national, and she'd just been to Fuzhou, which is the city I was in, on a business trip. And she was a, um, a financial assistant or something or representative for the company. And we got talking and she said she's not happy. She wants to go and open a soap manufacturing business in, China, in um, Hong Kong, but she has to study in Taiwan for six months. And all her friends, all her family are dead set against it. They're saying, you're stupid. You've got a wonderful job here. And, you know, you'd be silly to do this and take this risk, etc., etc. But the thing is, she wasn't happy and nobody had ever asked her if she's happy in her job or even considered it. And her parents were more considered about their retirement and whether she's going to be able to look after them than having her pursue her dream. And that's a, you know, that's a, a common enough scenario. There was another student I had who he had a dead-end job in the city of Fujo, and he was 29 or something like that. He was living at home with his parents. He hadn't got married at the time. And he was offered a wonderful opportunity to go to Beijing and, and, and start a real career. His parents wouldn't let him go because they were scared that if he went there, there'd be no one to look after him, them. Wow. And they were holding him back. And it's not that uncommon a situation if you think about it. How can you express your truth and like live your purpose if we have those voices in our heads? And we, it's bad enough to be fighting the little voice we have in our own heads that's going oh I'm scared but when everyone else is saying it as well that makes it a lot harder yeah it's it's a challenge because you know the people are close to us and we're not trying to ostracize them or to cut ourselves off with them so I think the first thing is we have to, to start to understand where they're coming from and what their concerns are then we can build a way to mitigate those concerns for instance, there was a, um, uh, an ex-student of mine who, I think she was 26, 27. And typically in China, a 26, 27-year-old should be married or should be planning to get married and have a child. And if you get to 30 and you're a lady in, in China and you're not married, people think there's something wrong with you. Now, she wanted to move from her home city to Guangzhou, uh, where she found a job and there was, a, you know, there was a, a you know, a good career possibility but her parents are holding her back because of the fact that she's a female and her age and she's silly and she was getting very upset at everything so I, I you know through um, talking to and helping her 
I got her to understand, number one, her parents' point of view. And number two, the pressure they were under from the rest of the family. Certainly because they were being told, what's wrong with you? Can't you uh, handle your child, etc., etc." Mm-hmm. And through that, they started a conversation. They started a dialogue and they became closer and closer until her parents were on her side. That's beautiful. And now, you know, the end result is that she is respected by the whole family. It's taken time and it's taken a lot of adjustment from everybody. But the the first thing is to understand where that advice is coming from, what the fears are that's driving that advice. And a lot of these fears are unconscious fears. Mm. And there are times when we have to just say to our friends, hey, our friendship's not where it used to be. It's time for me to move on. I mean, I did that when I left England to go to Africa. The friends I had would have held me back if I hadn't have left. And Mm. when I came back for a visit to my parents about nine years after I'd moved there, number one, none of the friends would come and visit me in Africa. But number two, they were all doing exactly the same things. None of them had changed. And that's where I would have been. So it was a time to say, okay, we had a great time. I'm grateful for everything, but it's time to move on and find a new direction. And that's that's also a challenge sometimes, but it's it's something sometimes we have to do. I'm so curious because it, I mean, your wisdom is so evident to me that you've, you have a way of um, understanding situations that you're helping other people and your clients to understand. I'm curious, um, when you started teaching and then you developed your coaching style through your teaching and then you did your studies, was there anything from your childhood that might have given a clue that this was something you would end up being good at? Well, when I was about 16, 17, I had a girlfriend and she always told me I'm a teacher. And I never realized that. I didn't know. I thought she was being insulted because I had, you see, when I was younger, and I still am to a certain extent, but when I was younger, I was very, very shy. Mm -hmm. And I was the person who would be at the party and sat there waiting for people to come and talk to me because I don't know what to say to and I can't talk to anybody. So I was sat there, but I was observing And it's only later in life that I realized that this was a very, very good training ground for me to be observant. And I could see many things in behavior, body language, facial expressions, the way people talk, the energy, everything else that most people miss because they weren't spending two years or three years observing people like I was. (laughs) So, you know, that's, that's actually something that everybody should understand that being shy is not such a detriment. It can actually be a blessing in disguise. That's good. If we just understand that lesson. So, you know, through, the, through life, that skill has helped me, obviously. And, you know, my girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, she obviously saw something in me which I didn't see in myself, but was yeah. playing a, a role in my development without me knowing it. And it's only when, you know, I got pushed in, in this direction and, and, uh, and that direction. And when I came to China, my first class, I mean, the, <laughs> I've never taught a class before. The, the people came along and said, OK, we've got a class for you. Here you are, 500 people, no preparation. What the heck can you do? <laughs> what? 500 so people in one class? I, I, 
Yeah, there was a, it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was just a sort of introduction, you know, and it was, I just made it into a question and answer session because I didn't know who the students were. They were sort of uh, 18, 20s, maybe university age or whatever, but I didn't know who they were, what, they, what their abilities were. So I made it into a, que- a question and answer session and that worked okay. But it, <laughs> it was a bit of a shock, as you can imagine. <laughs> but, uh, then, you know, I was working with students and I think the thing that, that really made my classes successful was the energy I put into the class and the fun I, I, I created with the students. I had classes where I had, in, in primary schools, for instance, in the actual school campus rather than the private campus, where I had the, the, the surrounding teachers in the classrooms complaining about me being too noisy. I had the parents complaining about me being too noisy. But come the end of term when they had their exam results and they got the highest scores and everything else, everybody wanted to be back again because they didn't understand how fun, and this is a big thing, how fun is educational. You know, that seems to be lost on many people. They have to be dead serious about this and this and this. But, you know, life is about fun. And the more fun we have, the more we can learn because we're open. I love that idea. So tell me if you have a client that's struggling with you know, holding themselves back or something like that. How would you make changing that more fun? Well, what is it they want? You know, you know. obviously, um, I'm lucky enough to be able to understand how uh, the mind works to a certain extent. So I can find out and help them if they're prepared to be, to be helped. That's the first thing, what they, they really want. And then I can get them to live in that life through hypnosis. And that's very, very powerful. We could, we could spend a whole day in, and just live in that life. And you can do it to a certain extent without hypnosis. I mean, just put yourself in the future. Say you want to be an airline steward in, in five years' time. And, you know, what is it you do when you first get up in the morning, your first day on the job? What shoes do you put on? What clothes do you put on? You know, and, and you just start building this day like this and they start to experience it, starting to live in it. And, you know, obviously it's something which they want to do. So there's a little bit of trepidation, but there's also fun and you can laugh at yourself. That's, you know, that that reminds me of a little incident with my children. I've got two young children, uh, four and five and a half. And at the entrance to where I live, there's a little ornamental pond. And I keep telling them, keep away from the edge, keep away from the edge, because they always want to play and put their feet in the water and everything else. And, you know, children... Mm-hmm. Water is like a magnet, you know, a fire phalanx to a magnet. It just pulls them straight there. Anyway, one day I was taking them to kindergarten and I've, I was being, I don't know what I did, but I, I, I somehow stepped back into the pond and I said, and I fall in the pond. And as I'm falling backwards into the pond, I said, look at daddy, he's being silly. He tells you, boom, big splash. <laughs> And then I'm dripping water from head to foot. I got out of the pond and said, look, you know, Daddy's done something very silly. He fell in the water. He tells you not to go near it. Look what happens when you don't listen. And then I took them to kindergarten. But the fact that I made it into a fun incident, it took the fear away from them. But it also gave them an opportunity to absorb that lesson. If Daddy's stupid and he can do that, then I have to be very careful because I don't want to be like him because now they see what can happen. And That's you know, really what was nice as well was the fact that I look back on that with gratitude. I came home after dropping them off at school. I was dripping water from head to foot, but I came home changed and I had a wonderful day because now I'd found an opportunity to give them a lesson in a beautiful way. 
Well, I fell into a pond once myself and it ended up being uh, very memorable. Sometimes the the things that go wrong, they anchor us to a certain um, moment in our lives. And for yeah. me, I it was Stevens's day, which is the day after um, Christmas Day. And my mother had bought me a really heavy mm. wool coat. I don't even think I really wanted a wool coat. But anyway, I was playing at the edge of a pond in this beautiful wool coat. And I was down on my on my hunkers, you know what I mean? Just just like acting like mm -hmm. a big kid in my best clothes that I shouldn't have been yeah. probably doing. And I slipped into the pond and it was about, I don't know, five or six hundred meters to the car. My dad picked me up in this heavy, the wool absorbed all this water. And he picked me mm -hmm. up and carried me to the car. And that was one of my, my best memories of my dad kind of looking after me. So mm -hmm. that's it's it, but that it was memorable because it was it was a, I fell into a pond and you think, oh, we should avoid these things at all costs. But sometimes the memory is worth it. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you choose to look back on that with gratitude and without regret, don't you? Mm -hmm. Because you've, it, it was a special moment and you recognize that. And that's the thing that, that, you know, these things happen. Life happens. We can't we've got no control over it, but we have control. We always have control how how we react or how we choose to react to whatever it is that happens. Mm -hmm. Now, if, when I fell in the pond, I could have been so angry and cross that I shouted at everybody. But as I was falling in, I chose to have fun. Because <laughs> I, you know, I recognized unconsciously, maybe, that this was a beautiful lesson, that I was being silly, and they can learn a lot from Daddy being silly, <laughs> just as yes. you did, you know? And you had that moment, that bonding moment, that very special bonding moment with your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No regrets. Well, regret is yeah, the regret is something never, never, never. I mean, why be miserable about things that happen? I'm curious, um, Stuart, about your take on voice and, you know, creating, um, you know, how we manifest our future. How how important is our own voice in doing that? When you say voice. Do you mean the audible portion or the message you have? Because, you know, this is where we have a confusion with words. Words are labels and we, we have different associations. So I think both are very, very important. The message you deliver and obviously how you deliver it is very, very important. I mean, with especially with conversational hypnosis, it's not necessarily the words. It's the tone of the words. It's the pacing. It's the... Uh, amplitude, the delivery, the pauses, sometimes the pause is so much more powerful than the words themselves because it makes people focus. For instance, I saw um, Jim Rohn once when he was in South Africa, when I was living in South Africa, he came to, to give some uh, tours. And he had the audience in the turn, to palm of his hand just by his delivery of the speech. He'd be talking, he'd be saying something, and then he'd just drop his voice. And everybody would lean forward because they really were hooked on what he was saying. And then he, you know, he, he, he you know, brought them back and he was playing them like he was an instrument. And that was just the power of his voice. So I think it's, it's, it is very, very critical. And we need to find our own voice. We can 
um, you know, practice by listening to other people and copying. But then eventually we, we develop our voice. And, you know, the, the, the way we can resonate with people through vibration, because that's something that is, is a very, very basic thing from hundreds, thousands of years ago. You know, vibration, sound, we're all part of this whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether that answers the question clearly <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, like you said, it's a question that could have multiple meanings behind it. And I know that some of our listeners will be wondering about how they can have a more um, clearer message and how that they can deliver that better with their own voice. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice for them. Well, obviously, the, the audible voice comes from breathing. And we don't, or we're not taught how to breathe correctly. We're just assumed to know how to breathe. And obviously, you know more about breathing than I do, um, because, you know, this is part of your um, skill. So I would suggest that we, we start paying attention to our breathing so that we're talking with a reservoir of energy that the breath can give us. Because quite often, especially if you've got a... Um, an exciting message, you can run out of breath <laughs> because, you, you know, you haven't stored any energy to send that message out. So pra practicing like that. But obviously, I mean, we need to find someone who's skilled enough to be able to communicate, the, you know, the correct way of breathing. And obviously you're one person and there are many other people. But it, I think seeking out help, if you've got a, a big message you want to give, seeking out help, but also seeking the confidence to express your message is also a big thing. Because a lot of people have these messages, but they're too scared to say them because, you know, upbringing or whatever, they fear to being put down. Mm. I loved, I think what I've really gleaned from our conversation today is that when we get opportunities to really see those as a form of an adventure and to recognize that our comfort zone isn't always a happy comfort zone and that there's a lot of value to stepping out of what our friends and family might want for us and into what might be the potential that's there for us as people. And we do need encouragement in that. And it sounds to me like the clients that you work with, their lives completely transform because they're willing to take this next, what seems like massive step into the unknown. Yeah, and it's that willingness and that recognition that what you've got at this moment is, is not serving you in the best way. And once you're, you've made that, you know, realization and then you're, you're willing to give something a try, it's surprising, you know, how far you can actually fly. And it's the same with singing or with, with anything else. There's a lot of people who want to sing, but they're scared of, of trying because they don't think the voice is good enough or they don't think this is good enough. But when they actually get someone to help them to do that, they realize that the voice is a lot better than they thought. They may not be the next Pavarotti, but that's not important because they've got their own unique skill and their own unique way of delivering it. And, you know, going back to children, they never consider that their voice is terrible. They never think of these things because they're just busy expressing themselves. And then somehow they lose that skill 
and that ability because of you know um, possibly childhood schooling society don't be silly all these types of things so if we can go back to that state and be that childlike wonder then you know we, we, we can become so much better at everything we do yes i love that you know as children we don't question our value we just are what we are. No. Mm. That's it. And, and this is what we lose, you know. That They say it's the innocence of childhood. Why can't we keep it, you know? This is what my mission is with my children, to keep them with that innocence, but, you know, not make them an, out, uh, um, an outsider in society. But, you know, have them, you know, keep those talents and skills that, because they've got so many beautiful skills and talents and they sing when they want to they say what they want to they just ah as you say and it's just beautiful you mentioned a story to me when we spoke the first time about your daughter when she fell over and how you approached that uh, quite differently from her granny i'd love if you'd share that one it's mm -hmm. very very good yeah i mean my philosophy is that pain is a signal, is a message. And it tells us that something is not right with our body and we need to get help. And it's like any messenger. If they come to the door with a parcel, they knock on the door. And if nobody answers, they knock harder and they knock harder and they knock harder. So the, the, the pain is the same. If we don't listen to it, it's going to get more and more and more and cause more trauma within us. But if we say, okay, thank you, I'm glad you told me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something about it or whatever, you know, then the pain can lessen. It may not go away totally, but it can lessen because now the message has been heard. So with this understanding, whenever my children hurt themselves by running around and doing silly things that children do, I say, oh, that's great. And it what? You know, people, <laughs> people don't like this. But I say, yeah, because look, what does pain tell you? Don't do that. And then all of a sudden they change. Okay, yeah, they don't do that. That's good. And, and the pain's gone and now they're, they're off again. But, you know, my um, uh, mother-in-law, when my, my daughter, she was about 18 months old, she fell over and she banged her knee or something like that. And she started crying. My mother-in-law picks her up and she's smothering her and amplifying everything, making it worse. And I told her to put her down. And reluctantly she did. And I went up to Bella and said, you know, what happened? Where's it hurt? Oh, my knee. I say, well, how did you hurt it? I fell over. What does the pain mean? Don't do that. Oh, and then she's like sm smiling and then she runs off and there's no more tears. There's, it's all forgotten. There's nothing because I've not amplified it. I've not increased it. And the funny thing is, both my children now, if I hurt myself doing something silly, Daddy, don't do that. That's <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so they know the message. But obviously, if, if there's really serious stuff, then we, we've got to put a little bit, you know, a different slant on it. But for general knocks and bumps and bruises, it's, you know, it's wonderful. And even serious pain, if you can just accept the message and then take action, then it can get lesser. Mm. Do you know, there's so much in what you've spoken about today. I think there was a message in that, that meeting with the man at the at the bar or whatever it was, who looked at you when you were all brown and tanned. Yeah. And you received a message from that interaction mm -hmm. as well. And we all mm -hmm. are receiving little clues. We're interacting with the world and 
when we notice how we feel in situations, that's like a message as well. For me, when I was in mm-hmm. a show and I was singing and I felt so amazing, that was my message that I wanted to work in music. I listened to that. I was like, well, that's when I'm happiest. Mm-hmm. So I need to listen yeah. to that, you know, and I think we may forget that um, at times and may be happier in that little comfort zone because we feel safe. But life is for living. We don't want any regrets, do we, Stuart? No, I mean, that's the thing when you when you get to I mean, I, I can't remember the name. There's a lady who was working with people who were in a terminal uh, ward or terminal uh, facility. And she asked them the, the the five regrets of the dying or something like that. She wrote a, mm-hmm. a, a book or a, a paper about it. And, you know, not accepting things as they are. Looking back on life with regret, not being grateful for everything that's happened. And the one of our challenges, I think, as people is that we're not always living our life. Somehow we've been pushed in a direction which is not quite true to us. And as you say, that when you realize and you latch on to, okay, this is what really makes me happy. Like, you know, with yourself, it was singing. And for me, uh, there's two, there's many things, but, you know, one of my biggest, biggest sources of joy is being out in the African bush with the wild animals and having them come to me and say hello to me, you know, whether it's a lion, an elephant or whatever, you know, it's, there's just something about that environment that makes me come alive. And I assume it's, it's a similar type of thing when you're singing and when you're working with music that you come alive. There's a whole change in your, your physiology, your body, your thinking, your alertness, everything, isn't there? Mm, and I think we need to, each of us, if anyone's listening, ask yourself, what is it for you that is making you feel more alive? So before we finish up today, Stuart, is there anything that you'd like to say to the listeners? You know, I think the, the biggest thing that we can take away is, is, is the fact that we, once we're aware of something that's happening, we accept it then we give ourselves the power of choice of how we react to it. And many people react automatically. And it's usually triggered by something and it causes um, not the ideal outcome. So if we we accept whatever's happening, say, okay, this is happening. Now I can choose how I want to react to it, just like I did when I was falling in the pond. I chose to be happy. I could have been upset and miserable, I chose to be happy because I became aware and I accepted it was happening. I can't stop it. I mean, I'm in mid-fall going backwards. There's no way I can stop like on a cartoon or like on (laughs) The Matrix Reloaded or something like that and move me forward. I'm going. Gravity has taken over. So accept it and then choose the reaction that you want to give. That's a very powerful lesson. And it takes time to, to keep practice and keep being aware. And again, with speech... We often say negative things about ourselves. And then when we find out that we've said that, then you say, oh, no, that's stupid. And that's another negative thing that makes it worse. So rather than saying something like, I say, okay, I did it. I said that, but I'm not going to continue. And just accept it. Let it be. And then we've got that power of choice of how we react to whatever. And that's very, very, very empowering. It's very special to understand that. That's wonderful. And if anyone needs support in 
making new choices or accepting some situation that you're going through, Stuart is offering some free um, consultations. They are Discover Your Dreams Power Coaching Sessions. And you can email Stuart at uh, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T at S-P-G dot B-Z. And that's Stuart with a U, yeah. Stuart at S-P-G dot B-Z. And uh, there will be some more information with um, Stuart's um, contact details in the show notes. Thank you so much, Stuart. I know that we could have kept talking and there were other tangents that we could have gone on, but I just loved the message you brought today. Mm -hmm. I think that there was so much value in that. And I think that that was perfect. So thank you so much. Well, it's been an honor to be here. And, you know, if, if the listeners can take just one little nugget of information, then, you know, I'm, I'm sure their life can improve straight away. So mm. thank you all for listening. And Aideen, thank you so much for being you and inviting me and for everything you do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Take care, everyone. And bye bye. I know.